So I have a question. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Everyone laughs, right? People have that nervous anxiety laughter just now. <laughs> yeah, me all the time. I'm overwhelmed right now. Uh, I'm overwhelmed that you asked that overwhelming question. And so, you know, as we went through the last two weeks of the book of Revelation, those are some overwhelming chapters, right? We see that evil is rising. We have this unholy trinity that comes up. We have the mark of the beast. We have people being persecuted. We have people unable to exchange goods unless they take on the mark of the beast, which we think is, is in many ways the way you think and what you do. And, and it just like it, the chapter ends and it's like, and if you don't, things are going to be bad. And it feels like this is all overwhelming, right? Like even the book of Revelation, so many of us have avoided the book of Revelation because let's be honest, it's overwhelming, right? Like I don't know what's going on. I don't know what all of these things mean. I'm freaked out and overwhelmed, so I'm going to avoid it. And I don't know about you, but like maybe the book of Revelation doesn't overwhelm you, but maybe the upcoming election is, maybe inflation is, maybe like the way that our culture is going, maybe things in your family. Like, I don't know what may be overwhelming you right now, but if we're all honest, we're probably a little bit overwhelmed. We're probably a little bit in this place of, of life where just, I, I, I just don't know quite what to do. And today we're going to look at Revelation chapter 14 and the story takes a shift. Because the last two chapters were completely overwhelming, and this one is about an overwhelming God. This is about a chapter where we see God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, like, doing incredible work. But how do you know if you might feel overwhelmed? Let me give you some symptoms of of chronic feeling of being overwhelmed. Procrastination. We we put off what we don't really want to deal with, right? Right? We procrastinate. It's overwhelming. So I'm just going to, I'm going to use time as a buffer. Or how about this? Do you get angry really easily? Here's where I would take you to the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Parents are really overwhelmed, right? And they scream at their kids at the happiest place on the planet. We were there a couple of years ago and it was pouring down rain. We went to a princess lunch or something, character lunch. It was the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> Because we were like in Sweden or something, and they like gave my my like three year old at the time like pickled herring, and she's like, "What is this mess?" I was like, "I don't know even where we are," but it started pouring during that, and we were waiting inside, and this mom was like, "Okay, everyone," I was sitting next to this guy, and she's like, "Okay, everyone, we're gonna go out and have some fun," and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "I don't." She's like, and she looked at her kid. She said, "Everyone, everyone, come in here," and I was like, "This woman is overwhelmed," and she said. We spent $10,000 to go on this vacation, and we're going to have a good time. You may be overwhelmed if you're angry that it's raining after your princess lunch, right? Avoidance is another symptom of being overwhelmed. How many of us are avoiding that conversation in our home because it's just overwhelming? How many of us are avoiding that conversation with our kids because it's overwhelming? How many of us won't look at the bank account or won't open that bill that says past due and it says really important because it's overwhelming? So we avoid. Or fear is a big, big symptom of being overwhelmed or lack of belief that something can get better so we just feel so overwhelmed so we just stop. What about this lack of effort? I know a lot of us, if we're really feeling overwhelmed, we just stop trying. 
in our life, in our marriage, in our, with our kids, in our finances, at our work, paying those bills and finding that house. Like, I, don't, I can't tell you how many young people I've heard that because housing is so expensive currently, they just feel overwhelmed, so they just they stop trying to look for housing. They're just over it. And then a big symptom of feeling overwhelmed is distance from others. Distance, just, just being alone and finding ourselves in this place. And, and that's exactly where the enemy wants you when you feel overwhelmed because you're easily manipulated when you're alone. As I was studying this week, I was reminded of this, this story that I read a couple years ago about this family called the Spafford family. Uh, their story really picks up in the year 1871. In the year 1871, if you know, that's the year of the great Chicago fire. The Spafford family had a law business. And during that fire, their entire business burned down. And, and I don't know how overwhelming that could feel for you. Like if your whole livelihood burnt, that would be overwhelming. And then that same year, they had a son who died from pneumonia. 1871 was a bad year for the Spafford family. Two years later, they, they, they've kind of rebuilt the business a little bit. And the Spafford family decides for kind of the health of his family uh, and, and his wife, that he's going to send and, and go with his family to Europe for a couple months. Uh, this is when you did like cross-Atlantic boat, you know, cruises and things like that. And uh, the, the family was scheduled to leave uh, from, I believe, New York City and make their way over to London or, or really England and go on this family trip where they were going to just be there for a couple months to heal and just to relax and, and to figure things out. But there was a business issue that called Mr. Spafford away. And so he said, look, I gotta go deal with this issue, um, but I'll, I'll come meet you guys in a couple days. I'll just get the next boat and I'll, I'll be just a couple days behind you. Four days into that journey, uh, Spafford sent his wife and his four daughters on that boat. Four days into the journey, another boat T-boned their boat in the Atlantic Ocean. That boat sank within 15 minutes and Mrs. Spafford was found on a piece of wreckage floating in the sea. She was picked up by another crew. A couple days later, Mr. Spafford, he heard about the accident, and he got a telegram. It was from his wife, and it said, survived alone. What should I do? Spafford's four daughters drowned that day. I mean, that's overwhelming, right? Right? That, that, that is a moment where you, as parents, like we can't even imagine. Spafford has now had five children die in two years. His business has been burned. You know, and I, I don't know where you are in your life today, and you go, I'm not like that, but you find yourself in an overwhelming situation. You find yourself in a place where it's like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do and, and how I'm going to get through this. But what Revelation chapter 14 begins to tell you and I as believers in Jesus Christ is that we may face overwhelming situations, but man, do we have an overwhelming God. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, let's open up to Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 1. This is the, the, the beginning of this chapter where, where things took a shift in, in the story that God is telling. It says, then I looked. Everyone say then. That's probably one of the best words to hear at this time. Because 
Because John's mind goes from seeing the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, reigning and ruling over the earth, causing damage and havoc, and then it just says, and then. And it's like his mind and his eyes are taken to a brand new scene. I hope that you and I have a then moment today. I hope you walked into this place today with all of your overwhelming situations and all all of these things that are overtaking you and then you walk in here today and you say, and then God did something today. That's exactly what's gonna happen in the story. Then I looked and there before me was the lamb, that's Jesus. This victory lamb standing on Mount Zion with him, the 144,000. If you remember that from a few chapters ago, that is the 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes, which represents all of humanity in the church and people who have believed in God and Jesus for a very long time, who had uh, his name, the name of of his father written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder. Imagine if you stood next to a large waterfall. That sound that you can only hear each other if you scream and then you're trying to make it out. This is the voice of God entering the situation. And how many of us, we talked about this a few week, weeks ago, you need to hear the roar of the lion of God when you're facing an overwhelming situation. That's what God is doing. He is roaring and bellowing from heaven. And as you're facing all of these situations that are so overwhelming, our great God now begins to bellow from heaven and showing his power and his strength. It says this, then the sound I heard was like that of a harpist playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These people who had suffered so incredibly during this tribulation period, they learn a new song of grace. Look at what it says. It says, these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remain virgins. They followed the lamb wherever he goes. Through all of that tribulation, through all of that trial, through the Antichrist and the beast and, the, and, and Satan ruling and reigning and the mark of the beast and all of these things, they just followed Jesus through all of it. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God in the lamb. No lie was found in their mouth they are blameless. Does anybody in here need a then moment? Does anybody in here need to see that, that the story, if you, if you just opened up Revelation 12 and 13, you'd be like, this is awful. This book is terrible. But then verse four, chapter 14, verse 1, then I saw something new. Do you need to see something new today in the midst of your overwhelming situation? See, the 144,000, we can look at that group of people, which represents the church and those who believe in God and follow God and will not yield to the beast and will not do all of these things. And we go, man, those are incredible people. No, they believed in an incredible God. What the text makes so clear, it's who stands first. The lamb standing on Zion. The lamb of God, Jesus Christ, standing on Zion. And it says that it was their belief in him, this lamb, this warrior king, who overcame sin and death is the one who got them through all of this. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when life gets overwhelming and situations get overwhelming, I can pull away from God and not see the lamb, but just see the situation and see what's going on. But the 144,000 survive. 
because of the lamb. Because they believed in a God who was great. They believe and knew in the overwhelming power of God. They trusted him. They believed in him. They followed him. They knew him. That's how they got through an overwhelming situation. And here's what we see for those people, because we cannot herald the 144,000 and go, man, they are incredible. No, all we see in this moment is the power of an incredible God. Because here's the first point of today's message. When you face an overwhelming situation, there is grace to endure the greatest darkness. That's what happened to the 144,000. Nothing about this says that those seven years were great. It's not like in the 144,000 were taken to the Caribbean and they lived there while everything else fell apart. They endured through the hardest moments of human history because the grace of God enabled them in that moment. And I don't know, I mean, Horatio's story is pretty bad. Mr. Spafford's story is pretty bad. But do you believe in this place today that there's grace to meet us in the darkest moments in the world, this moment that we just got through, this 144,000 have survived it, and not only survived, but they are thriving, why? Because the grace of God entered their life, the lamb who purchased and won everything gave them the grace to survive it. Do you need to have that then moment here today that the grace of God needs to enter your life, your marriage, your finances, your business, whatever it is, and that you are facing a dark moment, but the grace of God is greater than that? doesn't mean that the hard moment goes away. I heard this beautiful thing this week. They said, why does God allow us to go through all of these horrible things? And this guy said, what if the hardest moments in my life were the moments where I connected with God the most? That's only a gracious, good, merciful, kind, benevolent, awesome, powerful God who can do that, that can use the worst that the world has and make it the best for you and I because we find him in that place. And so maybe you're in this overwhelming situation and the then moment you need to have is God can use this moment to grow me closer to him. That God has a purpose in all things and nothing is wasted and suffering isn't wasted and hard things are not wasted and I can find not only that I have the grace to get through this but I get in a relationship with Jesus Christ and maybe the suffering that you're going through and the darkness that you're going through right now is for somebody else because you survived and they see what God did in your life and now they can get through it too. Because for you and I, the purpose of the suffering of the 144,000 is grace to us. Because if they can get through that and they can have that moment and God can use them in that way, then we can believe too. Because the same God who equips the 144,000, who roars like a lion from heaven, who overwhelms what is overwhelming us, is the same God who saved you and now indwells you by the Holy Spirit. The same God who wrote this book to give you these words. If you find yourself in an overwhelming situation today, I want to encourage you that we have an overwhelming God. Philippians chapter 4, where Paul is writing from prison, he writes these words. These are famous. You probably, I mean, everyone's got it written on their face and stuff like that, but here's what it says. I know, verse 12, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of 
life not looking so great, even in the darkest moments from a prison cell. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this. It doesn't stop there. Through him who gives me strength, that is grace. God gives us the strength to get through these things. And maybe that's like the takeaway you need to hear today. I had just had a thin moment. In Philippians 4, 13, says, I can get through all of this because of him who gives me strength, which is his grace in my life. Corinthians even says this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because we rely on him. And maybe God's got you in a relying moment, in an overwhelming situation, but he's gonna show his power through all of this. But some of you may be facing a situation that it just feels like there is no end to this. Is there going to be an end to this? This is ongoing. This has been going for a long time. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this. But the next verses in the book of Revelation tell us this, that evil has its end. That evil will not progress and be present and there forever. That there is an end to evil. And that for you and I, whether on this life or the next, evil will have its end. And what you are so overwhelmed by in this moment, do you need to realize that it's not forever? Evil is not eternal. The goodness of God is. Do you need to endure that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? There is an end to the road that you're suffering right now. And as Paul says, that we would finish the race set before us and hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen to these words as the, the, the Bible opens up and it says this, and then, then there's another then moment. Then I saw another angel flying in midair and he said, then he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. What is the gospel? The Bible says it's good news and how many of us need good news when we're overwhelmed? This is what the gospel is. It is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins so that we may live eternally with the God who created us. This is good news. And it is heard the most in overwhelming situations. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Do you fear God in this moment more than your overwhelming situation? I believe you'll find peace there. Verse 8, a second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Babylon, always in the Bible, represents a place that overwhelms and overtakes and captures and enslaves the people of God. Babylon has fallen which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. This place has fallen Here's what he's saying. There's always been a Babylon. There's always been a nation, a kingdom, a principality here to enslave, to, to come against, to hurt, to harm, to make overwhelming situations for the people of God. And Revelation says, evil has its end. Look, Babylon falls. There is no more Babylon. There's just the kingdom. So it continues to go on. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been pulled, poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented 
with the burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast. You want to be in an overwhelming situation? Follow the ways of this world. It's unrelenting. It's unrelenting. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image, for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. And in verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the, are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Why? Because they have an overwhelming God. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. This begins to tell us the story that evil has an end. Whatever's overwhelming you right now in this life has an end. There's a place where it dies. There's a place where it vanishes. There's a place where it has no more power. For some of us in this room, you need to hear the last words here in verse 13, yes, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Do you need to hear that there is a day when you no longer have to war against flesh and evil? That there isn't an overwhelming situation. But I want you to notice as, as John hears this message, the very first thing that he says is, this is true and this is real and it is coming to an end. So there is an urgency to share the good news. Do you notice that the first angel flies over the earth declaring the good news? Why? There will be an end to evil, but God wants all of us to turn from it. This gospel, this proclamation of this good news goes out before all of these things because God wants to see us saved, but here is what is so important for you and I to understand here today. Babylon will fall. Babylon will fall. This imagery in the book of Revelation is this city that took Israel captive, that enslaved them, that overwhelmed them, that, that, that murdered some of them, that harmed them, that persecuted them, and it's always represented this place. And so God reintroduces this idea of Babylon in the scriptures and says, it has its end, it will fall. So let me ask you, what is your Babylon? What is the captor that has overwhelmed you and overtaken you? What is the thing that, that has come against you that you need to believe that in the power of Christ it can die? See, because some of us are finding it hard to endure right now because we have a poor view of the future. Here, God gives us a very clear view of the future. Evil will have its end Things will be gone. This is a way that the Bible will begin to describe it. What am I to compare these momentary trials to the eternality of God in heaven? Here's another way to say it. Babylon is but a vapor. Your Babylon is but a vapor. 
It will disappear. And so what is your Babylon? What are the things in your life that have just taken capture you, uh, taken you captive and to have ruled you and reigned over you and overwhelmed you and you feel like you can't get over these things? Maybe that thing in this room today is regret. You have a life full of regret. And it is this Babylon that stops you from doing anything because, man, if only I did this, and man, only if that was different, and man, only if this was, this was going on, man. But I'm just going to tell you, regret is but a vapor or what about unforgiveness towards yourself and towards others and you're in bondage to a moment in your life forever and it rules you and it changes the way you think and it changes the way that you're in relationship that is but a vapor it will be gone one day Babylon falls what about loneliness in this place maybe you came here and the only person you know in here is you and me because you watched online and you're lonely And you know that after this service, you're going to go home alone. You're going to eat alone. You're going to be alone. In Christ, loneliness is gone. It is but a vapor. And in Christ, he can overwhelm your loneliness because he's always present. And you're never alone. Or what about anxiety in this place? The worries of not just today, but tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And some of you are worried about 25 years from now. There's a lot to happen between now and 25 years. And maybe some of those worries and anxieties and things like that will be gone. Why? Because they are but a vapor. I don't believe we'll be in heaven reminiscing on all the bad times. You remember how worried we were? Man, yeah, I'm getting anxious now. No, you're in heaven. Babylon is gone. And it's never coming back. What about the past? You feel that way or... What about fear? You're just constantly afraid. Constantly afraid. It's overwhelming. It's like you're afraid to get here. You're afraid to get in your car. You're afraid to go to sleep. You're afraid to wake up. You're afraid to eat. You're afraid not to eat. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid. It is a Babylon. This is part of the reason why we're going through this 21 days of prayer. What Babylon do you need to bring to a prayer night? And we're going to pray for freedom for you. Or anger in this place, or hurt, or shame, or poverty, or persecution, or heartache, or doubt, or a poor self-image, or a porn addiction, or a drug addiction, or an eating disorder, or poor self-image, or hatred, or bigotry, or evil. What Babylon do you need to believe will be just a vapor? Because evil has its end because Jesus is king. Today, do you need to just, like, you're a vapor. You don't need to be around me. I don't need to serve you. I don't need to love you. I don't need to honor you. I don't need to give you time. I don't need to give you money. I don't have to look at that on a screen. I don't have to hate anyone. I can be free because I believe in the grace of the king who in the darkest moments of my life is greater than them. And when I am overwhelmed by my porn addiction, when I'm overwhelmed by my drug addiction, when I'm overwhelmed by the bigotry I've experienced, when I'm overwhelmed by my past, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm overwhelmed, well, we serve an overwhelming God and these things are but a vapor and evil has its end. Can somebody give some God some praise in this place? Have you had your then moment? Because Babylon is going to fall. And to be honest, it already has. In God's perfect kingdom, there are no more Babylons. 
Revelation is present in the kingdom of God right now, and Babylon has fallen. Do you believe it? Some of us need to stop breathing in vapors and stop believing lies. And we need to get to the truth. And what is overwhelming you, can I just be honest with you, is fake. It is a mist that does not have any power over you but the power that you give it. Let me ask you something. Have you given power in your life to Jesus Christ? The lamb who stands on Zion, who in the darkest moments of human history got 144,000 people through the darkest things that we will ever see in this world by his grace alone. Do you need to believe that here today? Because here's the reality. Are you going to be overwhelmed or are you going to walk with an overwhelming God? Choice is yours in this place today. Revelation continues and it says this, that third angel shows up and he, he does all of these things and he speaks in a loud voice, but there's a, there's a place here where it says those who walk with the beast, they will be overwhelmed. They will have all of these things going on in their life and those who choose to walk with Christ will not. So the question is, in the darkest moments of your life, are you going to choose to be overwhelmed or are you going to walk with an overwhelming God? People, in the end, are going to trust the world and its systems when it comes to their lives. And what we see is that those systems become abusive, they become overwhelming, they become prisons and captors. And the people gave over to those things willingly. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be overwhelmed in this place? And I know some of you are getting anxiety thinking about this. Are you going to be overwhelmed or are you going to walk with an overwhelming God? Who are you going to be in this place today? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this in verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Oh, here we go, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to be overwhelmed or are you going to walk with an overwhelming God? Because the end of this chapter, it just, it asks us a question. It's an invitation, really, to you and I. The end of this chapter begins to, to say something, and this is the question I think is being posed by the text. Who are you trusting in right now? Who are you trusting in right now? Revelation 14, 14. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated, seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. Still, another angel he had to charge the had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, "Take your sharp sickle and gather the cluster of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe." 
The angel swung his sickle on the earth and gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flow out of the press, rising as high as a horse's bridle from a distance of 1,600 stadia. Here's what I would say. If you're overwhelmed in this place, it may be a symptom of where your faith is lying right now. If you feel overwhelmed by all, I don't know, maybe I didn't even mention what you're overwhelmed about and that overwhelmed you. I'm so overwhelmed, Pastor Blake won't even mention it. Here's the deal. Babylon is done. But there will be a time that is coming when our ability to receive Christ and not is too. This is what it says. God is going to reap the earth. And those who are pressed in the wine press and those who are, who are trampled on are those who do not believe in Christ and what Jesus did for them. But those who are harvested and brought up to heaven are those who do. You have a choice here today. So what are the symptoms telling you where your heart is? What are the symptoms that you see in your life telling you where your faith is? Are you walking overwhelmed or are you walking with an overwhelming God? Have you had your then moment here today? Because there's a reality. There is going to be a moment when there aren't any more chances. There is going to be a moment when time has run out. And so let me ask you this. What is stopping you right now from walking with Jesus today? Because you can have victory and you can walk with God. And yes, you will face overwhelming things. But man, you've got an overwhelming God who is walking with you. And maybe your then moment today is this. I was in all of these situations and my life was so overwhelming. And, all, and then God saved me. What are you believing in today? Do you trust that God is good and stronger than what is overwhelming you? Do you trust? Do you trust and believe and have faith? Because when, you, when you're overwhelmed, you're trying to operate in everything that is the flesh. And that's why it's so overwhelming. Because let's be honest, like there are things that we are facing that we cannot overcome apart from the great power of God. And if you are overwhelmed, it's a symptom of where your heart is lying. So what do you need to lay down? What Babylon do you need to believe today that it's just a vapor? You know, we started with this story of the Spafford family. And it seems like we ended that story with tragedy. But that story actually ends with triumph. See, Horatio Spafford was the husband. And when he got that letter from his wife, survived alone, what should I do? He got on a boat and he immediately went over to see his wife. Now, what had happened is the story of the sinking and everything like that. This, it, was, it had made world news because so many people had died. And as Spafford was on his way on a boat over the same sea that his four daughters had just died upon, 
God was ministering to him in an overwhelming situation because I could not imagine going to see my wife who nearly died to mourn the loss of our four kids after our business had burned down and our son had died from pneumonia. Spafford faced an overwhelming situation. Four days into his trip, the captain of the boat that Spafford was on called him to the deck, the main bridge of the boat. And he said, Mr. Spafford, I, I know who you are and I know what's gone on. I just wanted to let you know right now, this is likely the place where your wife's and your kid's ship was hit. And we're, we're likely sailing over the area where your daughter's drowned. And I just wanted to let you know what's going on. And you want to know what an overwhelming God we serve? Some of you have picked up on the song that's playing. Horatio Spafford wrote a very famous hymn called It Is Well. Spafford had another daughter later in life, and she attested to the fact that Spafford penned the words to this song while he was sailing over the exact spot where his daughters had just died. Do you know that we serve an overwhelming God? Do you know? Because I don't know how I would have gotten through that situation, but somehow the grace of God entered the life of Horatio Spafford and gave him the words to sing in the darkest moment of his life, a song of victory. And Spafford opens up this song And he writes these words in that moment. If you don't believe we serve an overwhelming God, God overwhelms Fafford's situation. And so we're going to sing together in just a second this song. That's how we're ending the service today. We're going to sing it as well. Just maybe pray in this moment. You'll join me in just a second. Lord, I just pray for every single person here today that is facing an overwhelming situation. Lord, I thank you for Revelation 14 that we love and serve an overwhelming God. A God that overwhelms us and our situation. And that you gave us an example in a man who wrote a song that was inspired by your grace and your peace and your anointing on his life, and that when he sailed over the darkest, most overwhelming place that he could have been, you spoke into his life. Your spirit overwhelmed what was overwhelming him. And one of the greatest hymns that has inspired people for generations upon generations was born in the darkness of overwhelming situations, but it is a light because of the grace that we have in you is a grace that we know in you and that we can have today. So who are we going to be? So I'm just going to start the song. Jonathan's going to start the song for us. Would you just maybe close your eyes? The words will be on the screen in a second. Maybe this song just needs to minister to you today. But here's how it goes. <clears throat> All right, I don't know where to start, so just stop playing music. When 
sing the next part of this song. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now, just everyone in this room. I want you to stand in the face and the presence of what is overwhelming you right now. I want you to stand in the grace of God. I want you to stand in the power of Jesus Christ. And today I want you to sing this song to whatever Satan, whatever the enemy, whatever the world, whatever the flesh is trying to push against you right now, whatever Babylon is calling your name and is a vapor in front of your face right now, I want you to sing this song that no matter what hell and the earth and Satan and anything brings in this life, my soul is well because of the king who saved it. And I am secure and I love a God who is overwhelming And let today, this song, be your victory in this place. We'll be down front if you want to pray. Whatever you need to do, please have freedom in this place. But let's have our then moment today. I love you, church. Would you sing with us now? The trouble shall reside. 
So Jesus, today we come to you thankful for you are the risen lamb standing on Zion who purchased for us the grace and the the forgiveness that we need. Lord, that you overwhelmed sin and death, which is our greatest Babylon. And so God, today, if we've believed in this place in you as Lord, I pray that we would believe in you as the overwhelming God that whatever we're facing today, you can overwhelm it. And Lord, I pray specifically for anybody here today that feels the calling to believe in you as Lord and Savior. There's no better time than today. And they can know today that it is well with their soul, whatever comes in this life, because you made it well on Calvary. And that, Jesus, you you lived in their place. You died in their place. You overwhelmed their sin and the death that they deserved. And that if they confess with their mouth that you rose again and turn from their sin and run to you, that it is well with their soul today. And so, Lord, I pray that you press upon them and through your Holy Spirit to believe today. We don't normally do this, but church, I just feel like we need to. If you're in this room today and you need to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior today, would you just put up a hand? Hands in the room. In the room, all over the room. Praise God, for he is overwhelming whatever is overwhelming people right now. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. You are worthy of our glory alone. God, help us to have an incredible day to leave this place changed forever. Come back next week ready to learn more and to seek after you. Bless us this week. We love you in Christ's name. And everyone said?